0: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 83, a solo episode. Give us the chance to talk together one-on-one here. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. Uh, I know we're all dealing with a lot of uncertainty in these trying times, as the uh, hundreds and hundreds of annoying commercials have told us these past few months, but in all sincerity, I do hope you guys are keeping it together as best you can. Me, I'm okay. Um, Like I said before in the last episode, I'm fortunate where I still have a job, which is good. Um, The trade-off being that I actually have to leave the house to go to that job. I can't just stay at home all day. I wish I could, believe me, I would love to do that, but pandemic or not, I can't. I actually have to go to work, but uh, regardless of all that, I'm okay, my family's okay, and uh, that's that's pretty good, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, anyway, anyway, uh, getting to the podcast here, I want to tell you guys a little story. Uh, A story about a man named Ultimo Dragon. I'm sure you guys know who that is to some degree. Maybe you know him for being one of the preeminent junior heavyweight wrestlers of the 90s in Japan who helped popularize the Lucha Rezu style. Maybe you know him for being part of the WCW Cruiserweight division, where, for some reason, they called him the Ultimate Dragon for a little bit, which is sort of a translation, but really just totally unnecessary, I think. Or perhaps you know him for being the founder of the Toriyaman Training System, which initially produced such wrestlers as Shima, Dragon Kid, Don Fuji, Magnum Tokyo, and a host of others in later classes who would become not just the stars of the Toriumon promotions, but later on, the stars of Dragon Gate. He also had a hand in training some guy named Kazuchika Okada. Maybe you've heard of him. Now, me being a man of great knowledge, I of course know Ultimo Dragon for all those things, but there was a time when I didn't. My first taste of the man wasn't in Japan, or WCW, or even the 90s for that matter. It was when he was part of the 2003-2004 cruiserweight division on SmackDown, when he was going toe-to-toe with people like Rey Mysterio, Tajiri, Jamie Noble, Billy Kidman, Nunzio, Shannon Moore, Akio, Chavo Guerrero, teaming up with Funaki on occasion. Sure, Ultimo's run in WWE was rather brief, and sure, the only real highlight of said run was him tripping during his WrestleMania 20 entrance, but you know what? As a young man watching SmackDown in 2003, on Thursday nights on UPN, I thought this guy was a pretty cool dude. He had a cool-looking mask, an awesome finisher, the Asai DDT. I used to play as him all the time in SmackDown Here Comes the Pain, just so I could have that finisher. So you know what? The Dragon, he was alright in my book. Now, as many a wrestling fan is wont to do, as you get older, you start to branch out and discover wrestling outside your origin point. So it would only be a matter of time before I discovered some classic Ultimo Dragon matches from Japan in the 90s. And one of the first of those kind of matches that I ever saw was Ultimo Dragon versus Jushin Thunder Liger in the quarterfinals of the 1996 J-Crown tournament. If you don't know what the J-Crown is, it was a tournament with eight junior heavyweight champions from different promotions. And the winner of this tournament got all the belts. That was the J-Crown. Now, Ultimo didn't win the tournament itself, he was beaten in the finals by great Sasuke, but he did beat Sasuke a few months later in a rematch to win the J-Crown Championship. In fact, there's a pretty famous photo of Ultimo Dragon where he's backstage somewhere and he's just covered head to toe in a metric fuck ton of belts. Those belts were the J-Crown. But anywho, the match against Liger, it's not anything special, really. In fact, the most notable thing about it is that it's pretty short. It only goes two and a half minutes. But what caught my eye the first time I ever saw it, or perhaps I should say caught my ear, was Ultimo Dragon's entrance music. Now when you think of Ultimo Dragon's entrance music, what comes to mind? To a lot of people, it's the song he's used the most in his career, especially in Japan, which is Separados by Luis Miguel. Luis Miguel, by the way, also did the song Oro Dele, which was a Kira Hokuto's theme. Perhaps if you're a WCW fan, you remember one of Ultimo Dragon's many stereotypical Asian themes, like Tokyo Town. <laughs> One Thousand Suns I'm being totally honest, when I think of Ultimo Dragon's entrance themes, the first one that comes to mind is this WWE theme called, well, uh, Dragon. By the way, when Ultimo left WWE, this song was later repurposed to become the theme for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and as the wonderful Galazzo Dan pointed out on Twitter a few days ago, that's just Ultimo Dragon erasure, and that will not stand on this podcast, no surrey! But I digress. Those are the songs that you think of when you think of Ultimo Dragon's entrance themes, but those are not the songs you hear when you watch that J-Crown match against Liger, or any of the other J-Crown matches that Dragon has. No, instead, you hear this. This <laughs> is 平成3年の1.4東京ドームでジュニア最強対決として行われたIWDGP戦で大座を奪う平成7年のJカップ決準決勝でのハイボックス。ウルティモニにとって8関以上に大きなテーマ。それがNATO重心サンダーライガーであった。Instantly okay. I was intrigued by this song. Sure, the quality of the video wasn't that great, but I could still hear the song well enough, and it was pretty catchy too. The opening guitar riff, the drum beats, the melodic vocals, I wanted to hear it on its own, with better clarity. There was just one problem though. I had no idea what the hell this song was. No clue whatsoever. So I did what any sensible person would do, and I went to Google. But therein lied another problem, because unbeknownst to me at the time, this mystery song was actually an obscure dub theme from a music library. So I couldn't just Google Ultimo Dragon Japan theme, because that would just get me separados. I tried Googling Ultimo Dragon J-Crown theme. No results. I tried to search for the lyrics from the song's opening. Monday morning, 9 o'clock. He's off to work, her life begins. Once again, no such luck. I even went so far as to venture into that wretched hive of scum and villainy known as the YouTube comment section. I posed the question, hey, does anyone know what this song is? All I got back was silence. For years afterwards, the song plagued my mind. It became my white whale, judging me from afar like the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg. Every waking thought was a nightmare, the mystery of the song decaying my brain to the point of lunacy. Okay, it wasn't like that, but still, every so often I think of the song and it would just bug me that I couldn't figure out what it was. Until one fateful day in the early 2010s. I don't remember where, how, or when exactly I found it, but somehow I discovered a studio recording of the Ultimo Dragon J-Crown theme. My long national nightmare was over. The song had been found. So I put it in my iTunes, I hit play, And I heard a song called A Secret by Steve Vouse. Yeah. There are a couple things we have to discuss when it comes to this song. The first one being some info about the artist, Steve Vouse. You may not know the name, but you might know the music. Because Steve Vouse has spent a good portion of his career making music for production libraries. In particular, the first Com music library, which is where this song comes from, and it's where a lot of his songs come from that were used in wrestling. Especially in the mid-90s, because not only was a secret used in wrestling, but his song Alice's Folly was used as a theme for Leaf Cassidy, aka Al Snow, as well as the Quebecers and Jean-Pierre Lafitte. His song Beach Party was the theme for Royal Rumble 95, SummerSlam 96, and Bob Backlund on Spring Break. His song Wanna Be Free was the theme for Ken Shamrock and Tiger Ali Singh. And last, but of course not least, his song, Hey You, was used by Cactus Jack as a dub theme for the now legendary King of the Deathmatch tournament in IWA, Japan. So Steve Vouse has had his footprint in wrestling, but the info does not end there, folks. I have some Steve Vouse fun facts for you all to enjoy. Fun fact number one, outside of doing music for production libraries, Steve Vouse is better known in the music world as Buck Howdy, a children's country musician who has recorded a number of albums in that genre. Oh, Bill was quite
2: a cowboy down in Texas. Why he's the Western Superman to say the least. He was the roughest, toughest critter, never known to be a quitter, cause he never had no fear of man nor beast. So yippee, I hey, a hey, yippee I o for the toughest critter west of the Alamo. Once there was a drought that spread all over Texas, so the sunny California he did go though the gag is kind of corny, he brought rain from California, that's the way we've got the Gulf of Mexico. So yippee i hey hey yippee i for the toughest critter
0: west of the Alamo. Fun fact number two. As Buck Howdy, Vouss won the Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word Album for Children in 2010. He's been nominated for four Grammy Awards in total in his career. Fun fact number three. Under his own name, Steve Vouse, he's recorded several country albums, and in 1992, his single We Must Take America Back went to number 68 on the Billboard US Country Charts. And the final fun fact is that in 2014, Steve Buck Howdy Vouse was elected the mayor of Poway, California. That's right, Mayor Buck Howdy, which is an office he still holds to this very day. Who are some of the more famous residents of Poway, California throughout the years, you may be asking. Well, according to Wikipedia, Baseball Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn, David Justice... Sean Merriman, Jeremy Bernitz, Brandon Kaw from Step By Step, Bobby Lee from Mad TV, Lorenzo Lamas, Tom DeLong from Blink-182, that's where the band started actually, and tying it back right into wrestling, none other than 2004 Diva Search winner, Christy Hemme. And those, ladies and germs, are your Steve Buck Howdy Vouse fun facts. Now getting back to the song here, let's go over the lyrics. And the story that the lyrics tell. Monday morning, 9 o'clock. He's off to work. Her life begins. She's oh so careful with her makeup. She can't wait to see him. She comes alive. She feels complete. She rushes to her rendezvous. She never stops to consider what she's doing. She's got a secret. She's so discreet. But someday her secret is going to come undone. So we have a couple. Presumably married. Man and a woman. Man goes off to work one day, woman goes off to somewhere else, or should I say, someone else. Because she's got some side action going on here. She's cheating on her man. But this is not some little fling to get her rocks off. This affair makes her feel alive. It makes her feel complete. It is more satisfying and life-fulfilling than a relationship with her husband. That's why she rushes to her rendezvous to do the horizontal mambo, and she never stops to consider what she's doing. Such is the passionate, romantic power of this illicit affair. And that's her secret, which she is discreet in keeping, but someday, the secret is going to come out to her husband. Maybe not today, but someday. He walks in through the office door. She's waiting with his morning cup. Soon the coffee's getting cold, cause other things are heating up. He comes alive, he feels complete. He loves the little rendezvous. He never stops to consider what he's doing. He's got a secret. He's so discreet, but someday his secret is going to come. Undone. He's got a secret. He's so discreet, but someday his secret is going to come undone. Okay, so while the wife is going off to do her affair, the husband goes to work. Well, not work. Because in a Vince Russo-like swerve, bro, I swear to God, the husband is also having an affair. He is doing the nasty with his co-worker. You know, he gets to the office, he puts down his briefcase, puts down his jacket, and who is there with a hot cup of joe and an ample display of cleavage? Why, it's none other than his secretary. And he says, Denise, that's the name I give her, Denise. Denise, come into my office, shut the door and help me with my... dictation, wink wink, nudge nudge. And this affair between the husband and Denise the secretary, it also makes him feel alive and feel complete, and it's much more satisfying than his relationship with his wife. Does he stop to consider what he's doing? Nope. Just like the wife. That's his secret, which he is also discreet in keeping, but someday, the secret is going to come out to his wife. Maybe not today, but someday. They've got a secret. They're so discreet, but someday their secret is going to come undone. They've got a secret. They're so discreet, but someday their secret is going to come undone. And that's how we end the song, with two people who are supposed to be together, but are actually very far apart. There's no real love there. It's all just pretend. The real love is the one that they have with other people, the one they have to keep secret. And that's pretty sad. And yeah, they can keep this secret for weeks, months, maybe even a few years. But someday, their secret is going to come undone. Maybe they'll be having this big blowout fight, right? Just a non-stop screaming match. And eventually, the husband will just yell, Oh yeah? Well, for the past three years, I've been stopping Denise! And the wife will shout back, Oh yeah? Well, for the past year, I have been dreaming and fantasizing and in love with Furio. No, wait, that's The Sopranos. Um, Jerry. Yeah, let's go with Jerry. Oh, yeah? Well, for the past three years, I've been shtoping Jerry. And they'll scream and they'll cry and they'll yell for hours more on end. Will they reconcile? Will they divorce? Will it end in police intervention? I don't know. Only Buck Howdy has those answers. Ultimately, no pun intended, this leads me to my final point of order. What in the wide, wide world of sports does this song have to do with Ultimo Dragon? It's a weird combination, right? I mean, wrestlers having weird entrance themes isn't a novel concept, mind you, but the question has to be brought up regardless. Because it's a song about not one, but two simultaneous extramarital affairs and a marriage built on complete and utter lies. Hey, here comes Ultimo Dragon, folks! Watch out for that acai moonsault! Now look, I'm no expert on the personal relationships of one Ultimo Dragon. I may be the AI of Voices of Wrestling, who knows quite a lot of things, but that's one area I'm unfamiliar with. Perhaps Mike Spears and Case Lowe from the fantastic Open the Voice Geek podcast would know such things, but me, not so much. The only thing I know for certain about Ultimo Dragon's personal affairs is is that Stephanie McMahon once saw him without his mask on and thought he looked pretty cute, which earned him the nickname Ultimo Hottie. So with all that in mind, it's hard for me to pair Ultimo Dragon with this song. After all, it's only a dub theme. But if you think about it, what is A Secret about? It's about two people being emotionally and physically separated by the secrets that they keep. Hmm, separated. Now where have we heard those sentiments before? Yes indeed, Ultimo Dragon's most iconic theme song is about separation. Sure, it's not as severe or as blatant a subject as adultery is, of course, but still, there is that sorrow of a broken relationship at hand here. And as well, they're both songs of the sad story, but a rather upbeat musical bed. You know, these songs are not slow funeral dirges, they're up-tempo numbers. A Secret does have more of a rock edge to it, of course, but both can qualify as having a measure of zest to them. So, yeah, maybe it does fit Ultimo Dragon a little bit more than you might think. And hey, it's a pretty catchy song, too. And that is the end of my story about Ultimo Dragon, a mystery song, illicit affairs, and a man named Buck Howdy. Hope you enjoyed it! This has certainly been a much different episode of the show than usual, I think. But, rest assured, next time we're on, there will be a guest to share in the fun, like usual. And as far as the topic goes, I don't want to give it away, but let's just say that episode will run on diesel power, if you catch my drift. You know, you wouldn't want to be an outsider by not listening to that episode, if you catch what I'm putting down. In fact, some might say the episode is about Kevin Nash... But I don't want to let too much out of the bag. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Matt. Thank you so much for listening. Music of the Matt is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Check out all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Matt. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Go to the VOW Discord to discuss the podcast and other topics. That's voicesofwrestling.comslash Discord. If you would like to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you do donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. I'm Andrew Rich. Again, stay safe out there, stay healthy, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.